Welcome to Friends in Prison. I'm Claire Aronson, and I have 29 friends in prison. Merry Christmas, everyone! I do not have 29 friends in prison. Misty and San Juanita have been released from prison just in time for Christmas. It's better than pretty lights in front of my church. It's better than John's freshly baked sugar cookies. It's better than Marie baking like a million things, including baklava, the Lebanese version of baklava, made with simple syrup and rose and orange blossom water instead of honey. These are all my favorite things at Christmas, but this year... Surpassing all of those things is knowing that Misty and San Juanita get to celebrate it with their families, with their freedom. So if you're a religious person, say a prayer for Misty and San Juanita. You know, it can be, you know, of course, there's there's praise that they've been released, but it can be scary reentering society. I just cannot say enough about how excited I am for them, especially at this time of year. All right. Well, we've discussed good news for 15 seconds. So now let's get into the bad news for the next 15 minutes. I do have some young listeners. I mean, as young as four years old. So in this next segment, I need to talk to you about crime and sentencing, and it might not be your favorite episode. That being said, it shouldn't be overly graphic. It's just not the shiny, happy letter exchange that I usually want to talk about. I want to talk about a case that's been in the news lately. It was under radar. I mean, I totally missed it. And by the time that I heard about it, there was already a response of like millions of people responding to this. Uh, So maybe you are as unaware as I am, or maybe you have a a different perspective on this. Um, In April of 2019, Rogel Lazario Aguela Medeiros was a professional truck driver. Uh, I believe at the time he was 26 years old. His brakes malfunctioned and resulted in a fiery crash that involved 28 vehicles and the deaths of four people. The truck driver was found guilty on 27 counts, including four counts of vehicular homicide, six counts of first-degree assault, 10 counts of attempt to commit assault in the first degree, with extreme indifference, two counts of vehicular assault reckless and one count of reckless driving. Um, This was uh, just a a month or two ago in October. He was sentenced to 110 years in prison. Over 4 million people have signed a petition for a sentence reduction. And truck drivers are using the hashtag don't drive Colorado, boycotting the state for fear of being locked up for life because of an accident. Mr. Aguilera Medeiros was found to be clear of drugs or alcohol following the accident. Um, I'm I'm using the term accident, although you might want to use the word crash. Uh, There are reports that he was speeding before the accident, swerving, um, although I haven't heard any evidence that there's some other reason like distracted using text messages or falling asleep. Uh, Another big point of the trial was that there was a runaway truck ramp and he did not take it. At least one member of the jury broke down crying after hearing the sentence, 110 years. And the judge has no discretion in this matter. The jury found him guilty, and the judge applies the sentence for that offense. Um, I've never seen these runaway truck ramps, so I had no idea that that this was a thing. But apparently throughout Colorado, you know, I'm in nice flat Florida, but throughout Colorado where there are mountains, 
Um, they have the shoulder of the road that has um, sand and runaway truck ramps in order to allow the truck to slow down safely in case of a problem. Um, you can find all of this information from the New York Times. I want to know if there's something I'm missing. Did he know that the brakes weren't working? How frequent are these runaway truck ramps? I, I could still be mashing the brakes, trying to connect the feeling beneath my right foot with the fact that the brakes aren't responding while I just passed the ramp. The man was a truck driver, not a fire fighter pilot or, or an astronaut with lightning-fast reflexes, right? Even if it was reasonable to expect him to use this ramp, a life sentence is more than excessive. Um, Gage Evans, the widow of William Bailey, who died in the crash, doesn't want the sentence commuted. That would be forgiveness of the crime. But she does agree that the law should be revisited, that he should serve his sentences concurrently, which means at the same time, rather than consecutively, one after the other. Why is this important to me, this particular case? Because I have a pen pal, Val, who her circumstances are are different, definitely different. Uh, the only thing that these two cases have in common is a vehicle crash and the death of four people. Um, Val had at least one previous DUI, and she was driving under the influence when the police attempted to pull her over. She tried to evade the police, and the chase ended in a collision, killing four people. At the time, she was so devastated, guilt-ridden, and grief-stricken that she did not advocate for herself. The prosecution wanted her to serve 55 years, so she took the 55-year sentence. Val has been in prison for 10 years and has started to think that she could better contribute to society, better make up for her mistake if she was released from prison. There are people who intentionally murder someone who get less than 55 years. Let's talk about another case, Lindley Rennick. This is a different state. That's an important note. This is in Missouri. Ms. Rennick was convicted of second-degree murder and armed criminal action. She was sentenced to 13 years for the murder and an, attempted, and an additional three years for the armed criminal action. In her case, she recruited her ex-boyfriend. And there was some debate in the testimony as to whether he fired eight shots or she did, but someone killed her husband. She evaded arrest for two years, pointing the the detectives to her brother-in-law. Yes, she killed her husband and then attempted to frame someone she knew was innocent for the crime. The sentencing for second-degree murder in Missouri ranges from 10 years to life in prison, perhaps because of allegations of abuse, and there was some evidence of abuse on the part of her husband. The jury chose to sentence her to only 13 years. This is all according to the Columbia Daily Tribune. Besides the ex-boyfriend that she recruited to help her, um, in, there was some testimony that she recruited the ex-boyfriend just to talk to her husband about getting a divorce, but she knew her, ex her ex-boyfriend was also bringing a gun. Um, and she heard, in her testimony, she heard the gunfire, so she knew what had happened. Um, there is another co-conspirator, and I think that this is interesting, Ashley Shaw a friend and former co-worker of Resnick's, testified for the state and did not receive any time. Zero prison time. She testified that Rennick had attempted to murder her husband by spiking his drinks with narcotics, and it was Shaw who provided the drugs for this attempted overdose. When that didn't work, she helped to plot the shooting. Um, 
Rennick left her phone with Ashley Shaw so that Shaw could send text messages from Rennick's phone, establishing an alibi while the murder took place. When Rennick returned to the spa where she worked with Shaw, she picked up her phone and uh, she got a call from her children's school saying that her husband had never picked up the children. Shaw helped Rennick to shower so that she wouldn't have any gunpowder residue on her and dispose of her clothes. I understand that Shaw made a deal with the DA to testify, but this is a woman who participated in an attempted murder and a murder and covering up a murder. She got zero jail time, zero prison time, so that she could testify in a trial that resulted in a total of 16 years. Rennick's ex-boyfriend, Michael Humphrey, provided the gun, and he was there at the time of the killing. As I said, he may have been the actual gunman. He was convicted of first-degree murder. It was reduced to second-degree murder after he agreed to testify against Rennick. So he still has a life sentence, but now he has the possibility for parole. My friend Val is in Texas. And, of course, her case resulted in four deaths. Let's talk about those four people for a minute. Uh, KSAT in San Antonio reported on the deaths. The car was driven by Marcela Perez, 21 years old. Also in the car was Marcela's mother, Maria Aguilera de Perez, 55, Alejandra Perez, 15 years old, and Brian Perez, four months old. A grandmother, her two daughters, and her infant grandson. Because the victims died while Andrews was evading detention, the felony murder rule applies. If the case was not charged under the felony murder rule, the offense would have been intoxication manslaughter, which is a second-degree felony. An intoxicating manslaughter offense um, under this section, it's a felony of the second degree. So it can result in a fine of up to $10,000 and 2 to 20 years in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. Uh, You could also have your driver's license suspended from 180 days to two years. There is so much to learn from Val's case. We need to keep talking about the victims of drunk driving. People can be so cavalier about drinking after they've had some or about driving after they've had something to drink. You know, like they think they can handle it. They drink less than their friends did or they've driven before. They don't feel buzzed. It's just not worth the risk. It sounds obvious, but it has to be said. So call an Uber, call a Lyft, be a designated driver, drink at home. There's just there's no excuse. Pay for someone's Lyft home or buy the designated driver Coca-Cola and appetizers. Every time you avoid drunk driving or you encourage someone else to drink responsibly, you honor these victims, Marcella, Maria, Alejandra, and Brian. Like I imagine them in that car all together. I can only imagine that they were a close family. And I think about my own mom when Cassie was a baby. Oh, we'd go shopping for cute clothes and toys. We'd go out to lunch, just the three of us. It was fun. You know, it was like a magic time that was stolen from the Perez family. And they were stolen from us. We lost these four people forever. I don't have to tell you this. You're the type of person who would never drink and drive. And not just because it's against the law, but because you do understand the consequences. My friend Val is intelligent, spiritual, friendly, contrite of heart. On a side note, I've always thought that the word contrite sounds like it should mean snarky, but it means remorseful. How would I feel 
if Val was going to move in next door to me. Fine. Would I hire her if she needed a job? Yes. To watch my kids? To drive them to and from school? You want my honest answer? I would certainly be concerned about alcoholism. I'd want to be extra supportive when she first leaves prison, consulting with a psychotherapist about relapses and rehab. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not close to anyone who's an alcoholic. It it seems easy to me. If I had been to prison for many years for drinking and the decisions that I made while drinking, I would never drink again. But I'm not an alcoholic. All I'm saying is I would be cautious about the situation. The whole conversation is moot because she's only been in prison for 10 years. In the last year or so, Val started to recognize that she could be contrite of heart and still want to be released from prison at the same time. She could volunteer with organizations like Mothers Against Drunk Driving. She could be an asset to the community. This is something else that you and I can learn from Val. She didn't advocate for herself when she was arrested. She should have let her lawyer or someone she trusts speak for her. And I wonder what sentence she would have gotten. I'm not saying that this strategy is foolproof. It does backfire. Aguilera Merideros. The truck driver in Colorado, he was offered a plea deal, but he turned it down. His lawyer would accept nothing less than a traffic certificate, no jail time, and he ended up with 110 years. Let's talk about pen pals. That's the point of the podcast, right? My friend Val has a GoFundMe. She wants to launch an appeal, but she thinks that she'll be unsuccessful without a lawyer. I wonder what the statistics are on that. You can find her GoFundMe at Valerie Andrews Legal Fund. She's trying to raise $15,000 for a lawyer. You may know this about me. I recognize my own naivete. Val is my friend, and she says she wants to get out of prison. I also want her to get out of prison. I know that I've only heard things from her perspective. I'm not the parole board. I'm just a friend who wants to be supportive and wants to ask the parole board or the appellate judge to look at the case. As a friend, I can point people towards her fundraiser, and I can research cases like hers. If there are cases in Texas similar to Val's with significantly less prison time, that would be good information at her appeal. But I keep finding similar sentences. A Plano man with a blood alcohol level of 0.226 hit a car, killing the driver, then fled the scene. He had only one victim, and received 18 years for vehicular manslaughter and 10 years for fleeing the scene, um, those sentences could run concurrently. Ronald Evan Cooper was found guilty of four cases of vehicular manslaughter for killing the Settlemeyer family in 2015. Um, That was the deaths of four people. He got the maximum, 20 years on each count, to run consecutively. So that's 80 years in his case. Uh, Teresa B. King, 47, of McKinney, Texas, was sentenced to 15 years following a fatal crash with one victim. And maybe you remember Ethan Couch, who was a minor at the time that he was drunk driving and killed four people. He received only probation after his lawyers argued that he had affluenza and was so spoiled he couldn't be responsible for his actions. The judge in his case, Judge Gene Boyd, sentenced a different intoxicated driver to 20 years following a fatal crash with a single victim. So what do I do? 
It's possible that Val's appeal could result in her serving concurrent sentences rather than consecutive, but I'm afraid she'll lose her appeal. Does she need a friend who will tell her to be realistic, put her money and her effort into something more fruitful? I don't know. Working towards an appeal could give her hope, direction, something to work on, and that could help pass the time. Plus, I'm not a lawyer. Who am I to say that it won't work? I think if you're in this situation, you have a couple of options. You can certainly um, support your friend and tell people about the GoFundMe. Uh, You could pray. You could try to find a pro bono lawyer. You could ignore it and talk about other things. And uh, remember, if you want to search for Valerie Andrews Legal Fund on GoFundMe, if if you are moved to donate even a small amount, I, I couldn't say thank you enough. It is the small donations, $5, $10, $20 that add up. It's so much easier for people to give that kind of amount than it is for somebody to give, say, $2,000. So do not hesitate. If you are hesitating because your donation would be small, I, I would still encourage you to make that make that effort to help. I'm sharing Val's GoFund with you. And I think that she can say it better than I can. So I'm just going to read to you um, her GoFundMe. My name is Valerie Fuller Andrews. I was born in Salima, Texas. I'm sorry. I was born in Salima, Kansas. I'm 49 years old and currently incarcerated in Gatesville Prison until parole in 2037. I have served 11 years of a 55-year sentence with a minimum of 27 years before being considered for parole. I write today from a Texas prison as a person who was both renewed the Catholic faith, developed with an AA sponsor, Christian member, mentor, and the capability to understand my part in the events leading up to the tragic car accident that I caused in San Antonio in 2010. I write this today as a changed person who is profoundly, deeply, and forever remorseful for the loss of life that car accident caused through sheer panic trying to avoid a police stop. I remember how foolish I was, and I bitterly regret panicking and driving my car through that intersection. At the time of the accident, I was suffering from a long-standing addiction and untreated bipolar diagnosis illness with hypermania. None of this was taken into account at the time of sentencing in 2010, Neither was the case precedent of evading arrest, where the sentence tends to reflect the intent as well as the tragic outcome of a road traffic accident. Such sentences are more commonly 20 years in length. Although I accept my part in this tragedy and loss of life that it caused, I also believe through my remorse and regret that I can be more of use to society and DWI, DUI outside of prison than inside. I am appealing for funds to pay my attorney at law, Dana L. Jones, to appeal a sentence reduction. I need $15,000 total for the case to proceed. I'm asking for this funding to pressure a sentence reduction degree of sentence. I'm not launching an appeal against the conviction. I accept my part in this tragedy and seek merely to heal and contribute the time I have left outside of incarceration. Anything you can give would be a chance at a new beginning to use the lessons I retained to assist DWI, DUI prevention, and mental awareness. 
I still have potential to be valuable to society as a family member, as a friend, as a helper to those in need, and as a cautionary tale. Please consider visiting GoFundMe, donating and sharing. Not now, if you're driving. Visit GoFundMe, tell everyone about the podcast, and as always, find your own friends in prison.